Last Sunday evening, we spent some time together in Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, the prophet sees that God will discipline his compromised people. The prophet sees that God will use Babylon as a tool in his hands with which to rebuke his people. The prophet sees a day that is coming when Babylon will conquer the land of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. A day when the brightest and best, the Daniels of the day, will be taken out of their home, taken out of Jerusalem, and forced to live in Babylon. A sad day. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. Our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of the songs of Jerusalem. What, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? Isaiah sees all of this, but he sees beyond this beyond the exile. He sees the day where God says, enough, and where God raises up a new king, a man from the east. I said last week, all of these kingdoms come and go. So it was Assyria, and then it went, and Babylon, and Isaiah sees the day that Babylon goes that King Cyrus from the east is raised up by God to conquer Babylon and to let the people of God head back to Judah and to Jerusalem. And for that day, he brings a word of comfort to his people from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. So we ask the question, what do these people need as they prepare to leave Babylon behind and to travel back to Jerusalem with all of the challenges and all of the opportunities that lie in wait for them? What do they need? We said above all of the other things that they might need, what they really need is a vision of God. A vision of the greatness of God and a vision of the grace of God. And if they have that robust, uh, truthful vision of who God is, then they will have what they need as they journey back to Jerusalem. And what do we need as we journey home, as we head towards the new Jerusalem? Above all of the other things we need, we need a vision of our God. We need a vision of the greatness of our God and of the grace and love of our God. And that vision will keep us on the right road as we make our way home. 
Well, with that still fresh in our minds, I'd like to read a wee bit further on. We're not starting a big series in Isaiah, but I think it would be helpful just to to step in to the next chapter, to chapter 41. So if you have your Bibles, you might like to turn to that chapter now, Isaiah 41. I didn't look it up in the Pew Bible, I apologize, so I don't know the page number. 725, thank you. The chapter opens and ends with the folly of following false gods, the folly of following false gods. So one translation opens with these words, listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea, bring your strongest arguments, come now and speak, the court is ready for your case. And then it closes with these words, Not one of your idols spoke up. Not one gave any answer when I asked. See, they are all foolish, worthless things. All your idols are as empty as the wind. The foolishness of following false gods. Look at verse 7. The craftsman encourages the goldsmith. And he who smooths with the hammer spurs on him who strikes with the anvil. He says of the welding it is good. He nails down the idol so that it will not topple. It's it's ridiculous. These men making this God that they will give their worship to. Trying to make it so that it won't fall over in the wind. It's a ridiculous picture. But we would do well to remember, of course, that the false gods that are worshipped in our day, in our town, our nation, our generation, they will look just as ridiculous in the day that is to come. So the foolishness, the folly of following false gods. But we are going to spend some time looking at the wisdom of trusting in the true and living God. We're going to read uh, from verse 8 down to verse 16 together. So, Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, From its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. 
Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all, for I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob, O little Israel, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. See, I will make you into a threshing sledge, new and sharp with many teeth. You will thresh the mountains and crush them and reduce the hills to chaff. You will winnow them the winds will pick them up and a gale will blow them away. But you will rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. Amen. The wisdom of trusting in the true and living God. Not a man-made God, but the God who made man. Not a a created thing, but the Creator Himself. Three promises from this great God of grace. Three promises for His people to take and to cherish and to treasure. Three promises which ought to give us hope and strength and courage even in the darkest of days, even in those days where like the Apostle Paul, we find ourselves under great pressure, perhaps far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair even of life itself. We call these promises to mind, and despair gives way to hope and to joy in the Lord. Three promises which are always, ever, ours in Christ Jesus the Lord. So firstly, the promise of His presence. That's verse 10, the promise of His presence. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The Lord in Scripture says to His people time and time and time again, do not be afraid, do not fear. The internet says 365 times, one, one for every day of the year. I'm not sure if it's 365 times, but it's a lot of times. Time and time again, the Lord says to His people, do not be afraid. And very often, the reason that He gives for His people not to fear is simply this. It's simply that He is with us. That's enough. I keep saying to Katie that, that one day soon, one day this season, I will take her to see Airdrie play a game of football. She suddenly got right into football, very, very keen, very enthusiastic. I know the bubble will burst when I take her to see Airdrie, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it well at last. So I took Katie, I'm going to go down in your estimation here, I did take Katie to a game of football uh, when she was younger. And I, it was at Hamden, this game of football, 
and I picked this game because I thought that Hamden would be the way it was a few days ago when Scotland played Belgium. I thought it would be half empty. I thought we could pick a wee space away from other people so she wouldn't hear some of the language, that she would feel safe and secure in the family stand, whatever that means at Hamden. And, uh, well, I couldn't be more wrong because it was a sellout. And I got closer and closer to the stadium and I could see Katie getting more and more unsure as uh, the crowds began to descend in the stadium. Katie, true Airdrieonian, so there's more people going to Hamden than live in Airdrie. And she's looking less and less confident. And I'm trying to encourage her. I'm saying, oh, Katie, look, look at the big horse, Katie. And she looks at this big horse, but then she looks up at the big burly policeman with his taser on the... <laughs> on the bag and she doesn't look very comforted. We get a bit closer to the stadium and she just stops. She looks at me and she puts her hands up. She doesn't say a word. That's what she used to do back then. She wouldn't have to speak. She would just stop and put her hands up and I would know what that meant. I was to pick her up and hold her close. And as I picked her up and held her close, she was fine. We made our way to the game which wasn't great, but we made our way to the game and she was fine because she was close to me. And I think there are echoes of that, or maybe I might say my story echoes in some small way with the, the greatness of this picture that Isaiah pre presents to us in this passage. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's enough. She's just saying, be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. It's not just for the children. It's for all of God's children. Because there are times that all of us feel overwhelmed or feel out of control or feel confused and conflicted by the stuff that we see and feel all around us. So much we don't understand. So much that would be strong enough to overwhelm us where we on our own, where we trusting in our own strength. But we are not on our own. For the Lord is always with us. Close enough to touch. I am the Lord, verse 13, your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. And he is the perfect father. I am far from the perfect father. And yet when Katie was close to me, she felt safe. How much more safe should we feel knowing that we are close to our father? Wherever we are, and whatever we are experiencing in life, he is with us and he is perfect. Perfect in knowledge, perfect in wisdom, perfect in power, perfect in authority, perfect in love, and perfect in grace. So, promise number one the promise of his presence. Promise number two, the promise of his protection. Verses 11 and 12. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you 
will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. Again, this promise is ours in Christ Jesus. There are enemies to be faced and battles to be fought, but they will not cause us any ultimate harm. It's a realistic picture, isn't it? It's honest. It doesn't tell us that as the people of God, there'll be no trials, there'll be no troubles. Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. We are not promised that we'll just float through life, constant comfort and ease. Actually, we're promised the very opposite. The Lord Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Ultimately, that which stands against us will be swept aside, or maybe better to say it will be swallowed up in victory. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. As weak as we may feel, we are more than conquerors. We are on the winning side, and we are heading home to the new Jerusalem. There's no more enemies to be faced or to be fought because even death itself has been defeated by our Lord. Though you search, says Isaiah, for your enemies, you will not find them. John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The promise of his presence, the promise of his protection, and lastly, the promise of his provision. Verses 13 and 14. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob, O little Israel. It's amazing to think that we can be encouraged by being referred to as a wee worm. <laughs> so you see, again, contrasting against our weakness and our insufficiency is the, the strength of God, the sufficiency of God. Do not be afraid, O worm, Jacob, O little Israel. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. He is working for our good. I myself will help you. He's involved. 
A lot of people believe there is a God. But sadly, tragically, most people, I think, in our society, in the town that we've been placed in to bear witness to Christ, think that there is a God who is distant, a God who is uninvolved, a God maybe who was in, involved in, in kind of setting up the world, laying down the rules, and then just left it to do its thing. But nothing could be further from the truth. He is involved in our lives, in the big things and in the small details. He is working out His plans, His purposes for our good and for His glory in our lives. And not just through intermediaries. He doesn't say, I'll see to it that you're helped. I'll put some of my best people on your case. No, He says, I myself will help you. He will help. He will provide. I wonder if you see that as you look back across uh, your past, across your, your, your life. Um, for some of us, we journal. And it's, for some people, that's really, really helpful. Uh, I've tried many times to journal. Uh, it's just, I just can't do it. But for some people, it's really, really helpful to write journals and then to look back on them and to trace the line of God's faithful providence through the years. But even if we don't journal, even if we don't write it down, we ought to take the time to stop and to be still and to switch off the TV and all of our electronic devices and just to think about how the Lord has been faithful to protect us, to provide for us uh, through our lives. I love to read a man called John Flavel. I don't know how you pronounce his name. It's either Flavel or Flavel. But I love to read him, however it's pronounced. Uh, it's it's old-fashioned English. But the thing I love about him is he is always looking for the goodness of God working in and through his life. The providence of God. And he sees in every area, every aspect of his life, the fruit of the goodness and the love of God. And he says this, he says, there is not such a pleasant history for you to read in all the world as the history of your own lives. If you would sit down and record from the beginning until now what God has been to you and done for you, what evidences and outbreakings of his mercy, faithfulness, and love there have been in all the conditions you have passed through. And that is undoubtedly true for all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, for all of us who know God the Father as God our Father, that is undoubtedly true. And he's not finished yet. There is more for him to do in us and through us for our good, for his glory, for the cause of the kingdom of Christ Jesus. So look for it. Look for the evidences of the good and gracious hand of God working in your life in the big massive ways 
and in the very small ways. Look for the ways in which he, he, he expresses his love and his mercy and his grace and his goodness to you. And be quick to give him the thanks and the praise for it. His providence, his care, his keeping, and his love. He is with you. He has won the war. The battles, the wee skirmishes, they will soon die out. The war has been won. He is with you. He has won the war. And he's working in your life for your good and for his glory. So give thanks for the promise of his presence, for the promise of his protection, and for the promise of his provision. And let's give thanks together. I've left a little bit of time for us to pray together. So, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll sing, if that's okay, Lorna. We'll sing, Do Not Be Afraid, For I Have Redeemed You. And then we're going to have a time of open prayer. I, I won't open that time. So, having sung this song, if a few of us could just pray, if there's a time of quietness where no one's praying out loud, don't feel awkward, just be still and know that He is God and that He is with us. And then I'll close our time of prayer together and we'll have one more hymn to finish off with. So it's number 115. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. And I think we can keep our seats to sing this song.